Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the 18th on a cloudy, stormy Saturday morning. Alongside me, the boys, Michael Butner, former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep, and the guru, the best administrator in the business, Gary Birkinshaw. Good morning, mate. Great to see you. Go, Steve. Yeah, fantastic to be here again. And you're right, it's a bit stormy looking uh, out there today, and uh, it's been stormy for the last, it seems like the last three weeks, to be honest. Well, mate, I've got to say, Birko, it's a lot better than what it was last week. Uh, it was pouring down with rain and we uh there wasn't too many golfers out on the golf course unfortunately but uh today a little bit better they're out there they're having a hit what a week in sport boys yeah unbelievable yeah, yeah i think we get straight to it uh <laughs> let's go to the magical moment last night called by sen this is buddy 1000 here comes buddy he doubles back the kick's going his way from water yes Security guards ring the SCG on a Friday night. There's Swan supporters. Good luck. There's Hawthorne fans. Everybody is watching. Buddy Franklin with the eyes of the football world all around the country on him. And as the greatest showman, he likes it this way. He's 40 metres out. He comes in. The crowd comes in. He's got it. A thousand goals for Buddy Franklin. Perfectly, Franklin. A thousand goals. He lives out a million people's dreams. And this is a sight to behold. Yeah, great call by the SEN team. Mm. It was a sight to behold. In fact, it's one of the greatest sporting moments I've ever seen. Uh, Wow. I mean, and they just mentioned about security around the the perimeter of the SCG. Bunch of middle-aged guys. I think maybe eight I saw. Yeah. Eight in total to stop a tsunami. They weren't going to do anything, I've got to tell you. And look, justifiably so. What a remarkable effort it is from Buddy Franklin. And um, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. You know, I remember Plugger. That was back in 99 where he kicked 1,300 goals uh, at the SCG. And the swarm of people that come on the field there. But this well and truly surpassed it. And the stands were empty. Burgo, there was no one in the stands. Everybody just wanted a piece of that moment. Yeah, exactly right. And one thing they said on the, the commentary is that you weren't there unless you had, a, had took a photo. There were that many phones out <laughs> taking photos. And we were talking earlier, Butes. What other sporting event would you imagine that that, that would actually happen? What milestone would you see that that, that would actually occur in any, any sport around the world? For me, I'm thinking about you know rugby league and how does that relate? And I don't think we've, we'll never see scenes like that. But for me, it probably one significant milestone that could uh, you know, equal that would be 200 tries in a career. Um, we've only ever had one person who's done that, and that's Ken Irvine. But I can't think of a- another milestone in the game of rugby league 
that would be befitting of that type of acknowledgement and recognition. Josh uh, Reynolds got carried off at Belmore. Uh, I can tell you why. So there was meant to be a second siren, and that's when fans were allowed on the field. So do you remember he got chaired off at Belmore, his final game for the Bulldogs? Anyway, the second siren, the guy alongside me bumped it early. (laughs) It was meant to happen, like, after all the interviews were done, and, and it was going to be fully controlled. So anyway, the guy beside me has unplugged his unit, and that's triggered the siren. So uh, it was, last night was incredible. So Burko, Tony Lockett, 1360, Gordon Coventry, the Collingwood superstar, 1299. Jason Dunstall, the chief, what a player. Mate. Absolutely love him. Out of Queensland, 1,254 buttes. Oh, I was just going to say that guy, what was his name? 1299. Gordon Coventry. Gordon. Mate, just kick another one, will you? Yeah. Seriously. Give him, yeah. Someone give him a goal. The man who never left the goal square because the game was different back then. Uh, Doug Wade. Yep. Tell us more. Yeah, Doug Wade, uh, Geelong and, and North Melbourne superstar. He, he said he, he wasn't that agile, Doug, but he was um, – and that was in the old days where the kicking was they are doing the torpedoes and it wasn't the drop punts that they do now, mm. but uh, he was a phenomenal player. Yeah, Gary Ablett Sr. was the fifth player. And God. Now, now Lance Buddy Franklin. What, what a player. Good to see – Alastair Clarkson there last night with his wife and draped in a swan's uh, in yeah. a swan scarf. Yeah, one thing I think about Lance Franklin though, like it was a magnificent milestone. But even they mentioned last night, he, he just he's such a likable person. They reckon every club, he, the two clubs he's played for, they just he's, you know, there's nothing big headed about him. He, he just goes about his business and you know he, he trains as hard as anybody else. And he, he's got some great rewards. And I think keep on all those players that you've mentioned there. Maybe Gary Abbott was a little bit different, but a lot of them stuck to the goal square. Well, well, Buddy's played a lot of his career. He's been playing out at centre half forward. Yeah. Does he transcend sport? Like who are the players in world sport that cross codes? Like everyone knows Buddy, right, Butes? Yeah, it's true. And you know, I, I guess. For what he's done in the game, and I guess longevity is one of those key elements as well. Um, you know, anybody that's managed to play 18 seasons uh, is just, A, in itself a remarkable athlete. Uh, but then to reach this milestone, which only five other players have done previously, you know, that's where he captures the imagination. And one thing I love about the AFL, and they've proven it over the first two rounds of the season, you know, the crowds have come back in droves. Yeah. And they know how to celebrate. And they did it last night, you know, just celebrating that milestone. I said to my son, Corey, what if Buddy stretched this out? What if they had have said, hey, Buddy, how about you do this in a couple of weeks' time and we just keep packing out the SCG? Right. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing about last night as well. What about when he beat six guys, swung around? Isaac Heaney ended up scoring. He finished with five goals for the mm. night. So he's out of the Black Diamond Football League. But, gee, that would have been unbelievable if he nailed that one. That was going to be the highlight reel, wasn't it? He was not giving that off to anybody. He was dodging around. He's going to kick that thousand yeah. goal. And you knew as he was getting closer. Like he was getting more and more pumped. Every goal he got, he was, yeah. he was that excited. And Matt, just from an AFL perspective, like they've got to have green from ear to ear. The amount of publicity and, and excitement that'll generate AFL in the in the Sydney and New South Wales market. Like that happens in Melbourne. It's big down there as well. But they're already AFL entrenched. But in Sydney, that. That there, all of a sudden, everyone's talking about Buddy Franklin today. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Burko and uh, Buttes, I, I reckon that, you know, even the goal he kicked for 1,000. So what is he, about 40 metres out? It's bread and butter for Buddy. But uh, you and I, we would have, would have loved to have played in the AFL, would have loved to have kicked one. Even that goal that he kicked, for a mere mortal, that's a tough kick from 40 out, Friday night footy. Uh, but for Buddy, 
I mean, that uh, he just hit it so beautifully. I think his goal for 9.99 from outside the arc, just beautiful the way it swung back. Uh, you know, he in the commentary they called him the ultimate showman. Mm. Yeah, wow, what a night of sport. Oh, it was fantastic. You mentioned that kick. That, that's probably he's kicking the football for goal now. And he's kicked a thousand goals, so it's probably easy to say. But I think he's kicking the ball as better now for goal than what he has probably in his whole career. I got to tell you, it's lucky he did get it through because there was thousands of people already running on before he actually yeah. kicked the ball. It would have been the most celebrated behind <laughs> in <laughs> AFL exactly football. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you said what other sport could that happen in? There's no way in the world. Like, let's uh, let's introduce Nick Montgomery now, head coach of the Central Coast mm. Mariners. You could not see that happening in football, could you, Buttes? Oh, look, I couldn't imagine it. Maybe somewhere in South America or, you know, where, where they are just absolutely phenomenal and passionate about their game. But, yeah, I, it just absolutely blows me away. You know what they'd have in South America? They'd have the military <laughs> yeah, around correct. the perimeter. Yeah. Let, let's go to Monty. Good morning, mate. Uh, congratulations on the... Sports Central Coast Awards, where the Mariners picked up uh, numerous awards and were finalists as well. In particular, the Academy were winners on Thursday night. Good morning, mate. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're all well. Yeah. And uh, did you enjoy Thursday? Yeah, fantastic night, Steve. And, and like I said, it's a really proud moment as head coach of, of the club to receive an uh, award, which obviously recognised the development in the Academy and the number of young players that we've had into the first team. So, you know, for me... To accept that award was, was, yeah, it was a proud moment. I guess as the head coach, um, yeah, it is proud, but also knowing what you've done over the last three years heading up that academy program, uh, you've got to take a lot of credit yourself for that. And I know you're going to be humble about it all, but, uh, you know, we can't deny the fact that you and Sergio have done an amazing job with the academy over the last three to four years. Yeah, look, I think, you know, when, when you see young players coming into the first team, I don't, I don't, obviously it's hard for people to understand what goes into that. And just to give a little bit of background, you know, a lot of the academy boys, you know, you know yourself, your son's been with us and he's been at the Jets as well. So it's a big commitment from the boys. You know, they have to get up early before school and train and then go to school. And it's, it's sort of a full-time program. So it takes a lot of effort and commitment. Um, obviously, a lot of hours from, from, from the coaching staff and, People involved in the, in the club, but when you see them sort of progress through to the you know the twenties, twenty threes, into the first team, you know it's an it's an amazing thing. And, and for me as head coach to actually give a debut to a young player that you know has dreamt of playing in the first team and has been at the club for a long time, you know to give him that moment where you say you know you're starting today or you're coming on a sub and you just see all that you know that that that, that pride in them and, and the family just knowing that you know the, the sacrifices they've made so. A lot of hard work goes into developing, you know, any player in any sport. So, you know, to, to get them into the first team is, is an amazing achievement. But the, the hardest thing is always for them to stay there. And that's where you've got to really push them and, and keep developing them and, and, and mentor them to, to understand what it takes to stay there. Hey, Nick, uh, since the last time we spoke to you, fantastic win out in Mudgee, your home away from home. 4-2 against MacArthur. Urania with a brace. Uh, Matt Hatch, fantastic goal from him. Noah Smith on the score sheet as well in the 57th minute. Mariapa scored and also Lockie Rose for MacArthur. But fantastic win, a crucial win for your team. Yeah, massive win for us. You know, we're on a good run now. We've, we've gone uh, four games, four good results. And we've got Adelaide at home tonight. So, look, it's really, you know, it's really tight. We, we need to keep winning games of football to get in that top six and achieve what we wanted the, the start of the year and that was to get as far as we could in the FFA Cup and we reached the final and now we've got one you know, one 
one thing and that's to reach the, the, the top six so look it's tight you know there's a lot of teams fighting for that top six and and, and yeah you know we uh, we got a good result last week we could have scored a lot of goals you know four goals sounds a lot but if anyone watched the game it could have been a lot more um so look you know we're, we're, we're clicking in that front third now and and yeah we just uh you know we're going to keep going and, and every game now we're going to give everything we can to to try and reach that top six Adelaide sitting third, but I still find this amazing. They've played three more games than the Central Coast. Melbourne City on top, they've played four more games, so it's still hard to follow where the A-League is at. And, you know, uh, it's, I, I guess, you know, so that puts pressure on you when you look at the ladder, but then you realise that you're so, you've got so many games in hand. Butte? I, I think the, the permutations of, you know, because the teams are so uneven in terms of how many games they've played, it just means that every game is so important now as we start to head towards the back end of the season. And I spoke to you on Thursday night, Monty, about the fact that with 10 games to go, you're aiming for six, seven wins, which should be enough to get you into the top six, you believe? Yeah, I think so. Look, I think six, seven wins should should, should be enough. But like you said, Tembuse, it's about taking one game at a time. The old saying, you know, we don't look any yep. further than the next game, and that's... That's Adelaide tonight, you know. They, they've got more games than us, more points than us, but it's vital that, that you have the points on the board. You know, it's better to have the points on the board than be chasing them and, and then thinking, oh, we have to win, we have to win. But reality is, you know, there's a lot of teams fighting around us and, 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 and picking, looking to pick up points. So especially our home games where we've got our home fans who are fantastic and anyone out there listening tonight would love, love a good atmosphere tonight and get as many fans in, in the stadium as possible because every game from now to the end of the season is vitally important. So... If, uh, if anyone's out there, nothing to do tonight. Get yourself down at the Central Coast Stadium at 7.45 kickoff for what's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, last time you played uh, Monty Adelaide United, you went down uh, 2-1 to them with a, a goal in, the, in, in injury time. What, what are you be looking to do, turn around to, to change that result? Yeah, well, we're at home. Again, that was a disappointing result. We went one the up. I felt, felt we should have killed the game off and we conceded two really scrappy set pieces where we sort of didn't play the first action in the second phase we didn't clear the second phase and if you don't do that in the box you know sometimes it ends up in the back of your net and we went through that run where every every uh, bit of bad luck we could have seemed to have, uh, have come along but look you know i said to the boys we just we don't have to fix anything we you know we've got to win our home games we've got to go away from home and, and play like we have been playing and, and 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 you know it's it's about us now it's not about anybody else you know you know we've got a really young team i think they're an exciting team and, and you saw against the mccarthy the attacking threat that we have with Jason Cummins, who's come in and been absolutely superb. Maresh is back, uh, back fit today, so hopefully he'll he'll, be, he'll make the bench. So yeah, we, you know, we're bringing a few players back that we've been missing the last couple of weeks as well. So competition for places is, is good. Hey Nick, uh, have you got a few more minutes this morning? We'd love to talk to you about the Socceroos uh, on Thursday night as well, going down to Japan. Now they play Saudi Arabia. Former Mariners coach Graham Arnold under the pump. Uh, there's speculation about his future, but we'd love to get your thoughts in a few moments' time. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, the great Nick Montgomery, head coach of the Central Coast Mariners. Game day, and we take on Adelaide tonight at Central Coast Stadium. Hey, by the way, the McDonald Jones Open Line Buttes, I know you love this. Ooh. I know you want to get a lot of callers on this morning, so uh, the text line 0477 736 736, but the McDonald Jones Open Line, 1300 4215 33 an incredible $50,000 off all new homes with McDonald Jones is on now. How good is that? $50,000 off. Yeah. Mate, you almost want to knock you living in Pleasantville. Yeah. You're almost ready to knock down your home and just build a new one. Yeah, yeah, you're an ideas man. Hey, why not? Off to, off to a break. This is Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Mm. 
Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Great to have you with us. And the McDonald Jones open line. That number again is 1,342-1533. Thanks to McDonald Jones. What do you want to talk about on the open line, Beautiful? Firstly, I'll throw this out there. Were you at Buddy last night at the SCG where he kicked 1,000? Absolutely incredible. Were you there? What was it like? Were you down on the field? Did you get a selfie? Oh, 1,300. 20 did. 42, <laughs> 15, 33. Burko? Yeah, I was there for when Pugger kicked, uh, kicked his uh, memor- yeah, thousands goal. It was just a, a great occasion. I was, I was on uh, level two, so I couldn't get out onto the ground. But I remember the day, and there were plenty of people who, who went around the ground that day, but it was nothing compared to last night. It was, it was, you see the drone footage, and it was just incredible. Yeah, Buttes? Oh, look, it just blows me away that, you know, it's, and I know we're going to talk about this for the next two hours because it deserves it, but it was just scenes I've never seen before. Like, it was just phenomenal. What about, what, what else on the open line? Oh, the open line, look, you know, it's almost become irrelevant now, but one of our greatest women tennis players, Ash Barty, retired yeah. earlier this week and it absolutely shocked the sporting nation. It shocked the tennis world. It shocked those at home who probably didn't have much of an interest in tennis, but suddenly did because of what Ash Barty did over the last three years. And, and, you know, she's retired at the age of 25, which is absolutely phenomenal. Also on the text or open line, so text 0477 736 736 or the open line 1342 Thanks to McDonald Jones. What were your thoughts of the Socceroos? And do you think we're any chance of qualifying now that we've got to go via South America? Let's ask, uh, let's ask Nick Montgomery that question. Uh, mate, what are your thoughts? Can I mean, the Italians have missed out. That is staggering. Mm. But what about the Socceroos? Can we still get there? Look, it's going to be very difficult, I think. Um, you know, that was a massive game against Japan. Um, you know, if they could have beat Japan, that would have put them in a good position. But, yeah, look, now, now it's, going to be, it's going to be difficult. And, and yeah, I think yeah, it's disappointing uh, for, for the country. And, you know, it's, like you said, it's, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a tough ask, but still a chance. So where that's, that's the case, you've still got to remain positive that, that there is a possibility they can get there. I think it's been nine clashes against the Japanese where the Aussies have failed to get the job done, the last nine clashes. So they've obviously become a bit of a bogey side for this, uh, uh, the Socceroos side, Monty, and uh, that proved to be the case again uh, on Thursday night with two late goals um, to secure the win for them and, uh, again, making it very hard for the Australians going through to the World Cup. Yeah, look, I think if anyone watched the game, you know, they were probably very fortunate not to be two or three goals down at half-time. I think Japan hit the bar three or four three or four times. Came very close on, on a number of occasions. So I think to get through nil-nil at half-time was, was good from Graham Arnold. They would have been uh, extremely happy with that. But I think second half, again, they uh, they sort of sat back and didn't create too much. And yeah, it was only, I think watching the game was only a matter of time before Japan brought the deadlock. And two-nil win for them was, um, yeah, that was was well deserved if you know that's in my opinion but they're a good team Japan they've got some good players and, and yeah it's, uh, it's made it very difficult now for, for, for the Socceroos to qualify and Monty can you believe the Italians the Euro champions have missed out and is this the second or third time they've missed out I mean it's unbelievable it's it's hard to comprehend yeah look it's uh, you know they win the, they win the last uh, European championships and they're, they're a very good team but yeah look that's, that's football and 
we watched the game yesterday morning. I was uh, before training watching watch, watching the game and yeah, Macedonia scoring late on and from that moment on it's yeah, it's just total uh, total panic from from within world football and no one can believe it. But look, there's always there's always shocks every year and fair play to Macedonia a game of that magnitude for them to to beat the Italians one 0 I think you know we've got to look look at what a fantastic res- result that was for Macedonia. I think it's amazing, you know, you think about, and this is what I love about the World Cup soccer, there's 32 spots, right? And it doesn't matter what you've done, you have to qualify through the various channels and whatever else. And if you are not up to it, then you miss out. And, you know, clearly, uh, I know, you know, we're disappointed as Australian soccer fans that our side's going to struggle. Could you imagine what it's like over in Italy? Like, it is a religion over there, right? And they have... You know they're not going to be playing in the World Cup like it's unheard of. Like it's only the second time that that hasn't happened. Um, but yeah, just absolutely phenomenal. Oh, the passion, the passion of them Italians is uh, like you said, this football is their life. It's a religion. So for them not to be in the World Cup, it's yeah, you probably won't want to be on the want to be on that national team um, uh, walking around the uh, today or the next couple of days. That's for sure. Mm, yeah, lucky it's not Colombia. Hey, Monty, uh, yeah, thank true. you for your time. Good luck tonight against uh, Adelaide, and let's keep, keep climbing the ladder. Yeah, come on. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. Thank you. Nick Montgomery, head coach of the Marin, is he going to start the champions in oh, the Yellow let's Army? Let's go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm really excited. About it. And, you know, they are three, four games behind some of those top teams, and it's, um, it's such an important run they've got. I think over the next couple of weeks where – you know what, if they can jag a couple of wins, puts himself in a really good position. Yeah, momentum's so important. Mm. And the other have had four good results in a row now. So they'll enter tonight's game, you know, full of confidence. And, and when you, you look, you look, you, we, we win a couple of games. When you look at that ladder and the games in hand, that gives that confidence. When, when, you, when you're winning games or getting good results, yep. you know, that game against MacArthur was, was so vital last week. And, you know, Adelaide, you're beating sides ahead of them. You know, there's only one way up the ladder. Hey, boys, uh, before we go to the news, I just want to throw back to the studio momentarily. Our guy back there, our fearless leader, uh, the man steering this ship around in the cockpit, in the Lamborghini back there, in the Formula One. Uh, let's go to uh, Adam Staples. Mate, you weren't happy last night. I know your team won in Friday night footy, but what about the text messages flying around? And, mate, have your hand fairly close to the dump button in case you get too wound up. <laughs> yeah, good morning, guys. Look, I just I just think there's a lack of consistency now, Steve, uh, in the NRL. There's way too many stoppages. It's really hard to watch, I think. And that, and particularly the, the new rule with, um, you know, the, the try scoring. That that uh, try, I think it was Kula Matangi who, who possibly got the try. He ended up getting one in the end. But I think if you've got your hand on the football, any part of your hand, it's a try. I've seen tries given where there's a finger on the ball or there's a tor- someone's torso on the ball has been given a try. So why change that rule? I don't understand it. Yeah, look, not a bad argument. And the other thing I would say, too, uh, in support of you, is they slow it down to 1,000 frames per second. Yep. In the old days, that's a try every day of the week, Buttes. Yeah, it is. And you know what? When we've got the technology, you know, we're going to use it. And you know what? Unfortunately, if we don't use it, and there was an incident... In, uh, was it that game? No, Adam, it was, Adam no, knows. no, no it, was at, it was in the West, West Tigers, Tigers game. game. Right? Um, Leilua, um, who, you know, just missed out on scoring a try. And again, it was one of those things where you slow it down, you go, okay, well, that's no try. You can clearly just see it, but well, clearly just see it. Yeah, that makes sense. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at full speed, you just go, you know, that's a try every day of the week. But you know what? It's where we are now. And, Berger, we saw it in the cricket last night. There was a decision where it was a little murmur 
uh, on that Snicko that just look wasn't even enough to you know warrant anything on the yeah. the scale. Hold, you know hold I mean. your thunder, boys. Hold your thunder. We're off to the news in yeah. just a moment. Sharks thirty six, Dragons twelve. So well done to Craig Fitzgibbon and his team. That's a that's a massive win. That was down in Wollongong. Uh, Warriors over the West Tigers sixteen twelve at Campbelltown. Rabbitohs. Mm. Wow. Oh, I thought the Roosters would win that after their performance against Manly the week before. So did I. Rab- Rabbitohs get the job done. And speaking of Kaloa Matungi, the pass from Damian Cook out of acting half, mm. just phenomenal. 28-16 full-time score. We're back in just a moment. Off to the news. We'll be talking with Grant Robson, Chief Executive Officer or Managing Director of Robson Civil Projects. This week, he spent a couple of days at Ronald McDonald House for Walk a Mile in My Shoes, and he's already raised over $20,000. Grant Robson is next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course on this Saturday morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, don't forget the text line, Buttes. Uh, if you'd like to have your say this morning, mm. jump on board, 0477 736 736. I do have a text. I've got to save it till after 10 o'clock this morning because, well, it's about someone playing golf and someone who's been, I think he's been distracted on the golf course and he's blaming Saturdays on the coast. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll have more on that breaking story. You know what I like, Steve, though? We just talked. You just touched on the Sharks v Dragons, uh, and a good win, thirty-six to twelve, to the the Sharks over the Dragons. Uh, and we we're just talking off air during that break there about Nico Hines and his contribution to the side, and what a difference he has made to that Sharks team at the moment. I, I touched on the fact that his subtlety with the ball is so good. His timing of his passes and how long he holds the ball when he gets rid of it, he doesn't overplay his role at all. And he gives his outside men the opportunity to do the stuff that they need to do and create opportunities. And, and for me, that's a sign of a quality player. It's not about him having to make the big plays. His big play is by catching and passing and tipping on and giving it to the outside men. That's the big play right there. And, and when you watch the game and you break it down, you see that his contribu- contribution is so significant. It doesn't mean it's a try assist. What it means is that he's contributing to ensuring that team get the right plays coming forward. What about St. George Illawarra? Because a week ago I said I, I thought their performance against Penrith was uh, was excellent mm-hmm. and they could have won late with uh, Ravalawa down a short side. So, you know, they could have taken that to Golden Point extra time or maybe won that match. So, where do you think they're at? Oh, look, I, I still think they've got plenty of work to do. Plenty of work to do. I, I You know, I, I can't see them from, for mine being a top eight side. Um, I just think they're going to be too inconsistent throughout the season. Yeah, look, last two rounds, Jaden Sewell spent time 10 minutes in the bin, and that's cost them heavily yep. both times. You know, they, you know 12, 12, 14 points they, they're down. Last in, week. Yeah, yep. and then again, then again on uh, on Thursday night again, they yep. you know, two tries while, while he's in the bin, and you can't come back from that. They're not, they're not a good enough side to be giving up those, those leads and being able to come back. And, boys, you talk about teams that, uh, you know, some tough calls go against footy sides, but last night the West Tigers, they had an extra man with Marcelo Montoya mm-hmm. sent to the sim bin. Last 10 uh, minutes of the game. I think they complete three out of six sets. So who would want to be a coach? You, you know what? You actually got to – that would be really frustrating for Madge Maguire. You get six sets in that 10 minutes, 
and you fail, you, you, you're only completing 50% of them. Like, that is, you know, pulling your hair out. Even, even the final play where the ball goes over the sideline, you, you've, yeah. you've still got one minute left on the clock. Now, that's where you need... You need players with a cool head. And we've, this is we've, where, got, we've got three more plays. Yes, correct. And this is where that inexperience comes in and they you know, feel that they've got to make that big play, right? And sometimes it's not about the big play. Sometimes it's just about, you know, maintaining pressure and keeping it on and who knows what will happen. But, you know, that flick pass, you know, there goes your chances. All that, gone. That's the difference between the top size and the bottom size, isn't it? When, when, when you're under pressure on the field getting towards the end of a game, when your ladder position is, yep. and, you, and the pressure's on you from the media or wherever, that, that you need to be, we, we need to win, we need to win, and you're pushing something that's probably not on there. If you're a top side, you're just, you know, all of a sudden, the last two minutes seems like, like, like five minutes to go, and they're just very, very contr- controlled. We'll, we got, we'll end up with three sets of six. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that we're going, we're going to complete them all, and you know, if we don't score this set, we'll get them in the next set. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, let's go live now to Grant Robson, the Managing Director of Robson Civil Projects. They're, they're a proud partner with this show. We absolutely love them, Buttes. Mm. And uh, Grant Robson spent a couple of days at Ronald McDonald House in Newcastle. He's already raised over $20,000, I think, combined. All of the CEOs have raised close to 50000 and that can support a child at Ronald McDonald House for 12 months. So I, I think that deserves a standing O. And... Uh, Grant Robson, it's walk a mile in my shoes. Good morning, mate, and congratulations on what you achieved this week. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, it was uh, it certainly was an experience that I'll never forget. It was um, very worthwhile doing, and I recommend to anyone that uh, is thinking of doing something like this to jump straight into it because it's a great cause and, and very, uh, very rewarding. Robbo, could you tell us uh, the experience with your son? Because until I saw the post from Robson Civil Projects, I had no idea that he was born so prematurely. Yeah, look, yeah, um, 13 weeks premi was, uh, you know, something that we weren't expecting. Um, yeah, I guess the big thing that got me into this really was, was the fact that, you know, when, when we knew the baby was coming, we were sent off to Royal North Shore Hospital and, Basically on our own with the clothes on our back, and um, you see, you see what Ronald McDonald House do in, in that situation. Now they have have kits for, for families that have been in, in exactly that situation where you've got your basic essentials in there, toothbrushes and, and whatnot. So you've at least got something and a and a to, to you know look after your personal hygiene in a bed, put your your head on at night, which yeah, we didn't Grant. really have. I think I spent a few few nights uh, sitting in a chair sleeping. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, our daughter Talia was born four weeks premature, and that was an ordeal in itself. So Blake being born 13 weeks premature is staggering. Burko? Yeah, so, so my oldest daughter, Jade, so she was born two months premature uh, at, at North Gosford Hospital. And, and that was in, so at five o'clock in the morning, they said she has to be transported by, by ambulance, air ambulance or helicopter to um, St. Bins, uh, sorry, at Westmead Hospital. And you're virtually told that, you know, and I'd only gone there, not expecting that she was going to be born you know, overnight. So I had virtually a pair of shorts, a T-shirt on, like now, and and virtually you got nothing else. Mm. And end up getting down to Westmead, and the first thing they told me at Westmead Hospital was, so I, I, I can guarantee you that you haven't got anything with you, have you? And, that, and that's, that's what happened. You're no. sitting down there, have to make decisions on the spot about you know, treatment for, for Jade, and like I said, you're sleeping in a chair with, with, with nothing. So it's... 
Um, and I was lucky because yeah, we, we live close to Sydney, but the same thing would be happening from people who live from yeah. the bush. So the role that Ron McDonald House plays is just phenomenal. Yeah, and what happened next for Blake? So born so premature, like how long were you based at the hospital for? Uh, we were at uh, Royal North Shore for uh, about eight weeks, maybe maybe nine. Can't remember now. It was a long time back. Um, yeah, so we, my wife stayed down there the whole time in, in what they call the Rotary Lodge down there, which, you know, we had to pay to stay in, but it was just really a room with a, a tiny little kitchenette. So she was pretty much by herself the whole time. I was commuting back and forth to, to work each day, leaving at about four in the morning and getting back down there at about seven at night and um, then we'd have some dinner and spend some time with Blake and, and then go back to the room and try and get some sleep before getting up again. So it was sort of this constant procession for, for eight weeks and you had so many roller coaster rides through that, some ups and downs and and yeah, it was a, it was a tough time but we came back to Gosford probably for two weeks and then we went home two weeks before his due date. So uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long ride but... Uh, Look, at the end of the day, we've got a healthy son that we're very proud of. And, uh, yeah, it, it was something that, um, you know, you never forget. So, Grant, what did, what did it entail for you this week, uh, you know, with the campaign itself? You obviously raised over $20,000, which is significant. But, what you know, what did it involve uh, from your end? Yeah, it was um, – we all met at um, a motel. We, we end up having to stay at a motel because the rooms are so poor at Ronald McDonald House. And, and we all met there as a group. There was 10 of us in total. And then we were bused to the to the to the house where we got a you know a bit of a uh, introduction as to what they do and how long they've been going for and the history of Ronald McDonald House and then from there we went and cooked meals for for all the guests and I guess yeah we were sort of expecting a big room full of people to be to be feeding but obviously with with parents with their children in in, in the hospital which is only like 500 metres walk away if that. Uh, they're, they're all sort of staggered times and whatever else. So we cook and the people that, that, that are there can eat at that time and then others come back and forth throughout the day. So we could probably finished up at, with that at about, I don't know, nine o'clock. We went back to, to the motel. Uh, we all went downstairs and just had a couple of quiet drinks together and sort of debriefed on the whole day and, you know, how, how much of a great organisation it is. And then we had a, a bit of a scenario with a, uh, what would you call it? Um, anyway, yeah, we had a scenario that at night time we were woken up at 20 past 12 just to enact what actually happens with, with, with parents when their children are sick. And we had to then get in the bus, go back to the hospital, talk about what it all meant, and then we were taken back home again, which I think we got to bed about 1.30. Then we were up again at... Uh, had to be gone by 6.30, back there cooking breakfast for the families and... Once all that was done, then we, all the CEOs sat down collectively and brainstormed ways that we can help Ronald McDonald House raise funds, come up with ideas as how they continue to raise mm. funds over the years. So, yeah, it was, it was a great experience, it really was. What were some of those outcomes in terms of raising money? Oh, look, there's various things. Um, you know, obviously hitting up the government, that, that hospital is going through uh, a renovation it's worth about 800 million bucks and, and Ron McDonald House want to do a small extension out the back into some bushland there that the, the hospital owns, which is worth about two and a half mil, I think, from memory, something like that. And it gives them about another 14 rooms. So, you know, we feel that, that there's ways that they can leverage off the money that's being spent on the hospital to, to put those rooms together. Yeah. So right. that's probably I'm... the main one. There's other, other things, telethons, whatever else. There's so many ideas. I'm just now they sort of, sorry, Steve. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to find your page uh, because I mentioned at the top of the interview that you've raised over $20,000, which is just incredible. So people have been so generous. Is, is your page still up and running and where could we find it? Uh, yeah, look, I'll just tell you. It's, um, well, at the moment, we're, we're at myself's at 25 and a half grand, but collectively that's got to be nudging 50 grand now. So, um, look, it's not about an individual here. It's all about the... the the uh, all the CEOs getting together and, and creating as many um, nights accommodations for families as we can. Sorry, mate, I'm just trying to look up the um, <laughs> multitasking. <laughs> Have you found yeah. it, Guru? I'm not good at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been clicking around during the interview trying to find it. Uh, I found it a few days ago, and I was just staggered when I saw how much money has been raised by you personally. And I know you're incredibly humble, mate, but. Um, such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Well done to all of the CEOs, yourself in particular, and just great to... Well, how old's Blake now after being born... Uh, after being born 13 weeks September. premature? 25. Grant, I just want to touch on, mate, like having gone through that experience 25 years ago and then to relive it again and, and see it from another perspective, um, how was that for you? Did it bring back memories? Did it bring back flashbacks for you, good, bad or indifferent? And I guess to be able to hear the stories from some of the parents that are there now, you know, I guess you can only be touched by uh, what they were saying and, and how they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a couple there yesterday morning, actually, over breakfast, and they've been in the hospital for seven days, and, and their child was born exactly the same gestation as Blake, same weight, mm. the whole lot. So, um, yeah, certainly brought back a lot of memories, and, uh, yeah, they were a great couple, and... Yeah, very, very uh, appreciative of what Ronald Dunlop House are doing for him. Yeah, good on but you, mate. Yeah, thanks again for your time. For sure. Th thanks for your time, All Grant. Right, thanks, uh, thanks for your support of the show as well, and we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Grant Robson from Robson Civil Projects. Mm. Uh, how awesome is that, Buttes? Oh, fantastic. You know what, it's... You know, I do my stuff with the charity, and, and you see things and you hear stories, and, you know, it's amazing. Everybody's got a story, good, bad, or indifferent, and... Um, you know, it's just taking that time to actually listen and understand and empathise with certain people. Uh, and when you do that, you, you suddenly realise that life ain't so bad for yourself. Yeah. When I was looking uh, for Grant's page just then on Instagram, you know what I saw? You know what popped up? Random South Sky in the middle of Buddy Franklin celebrating <laughs> oh, his 1,000th yeah, yeah, yeah. goal. Yep. What the? Hey, why not? He's got to get there. His it, team's it, playing cross town yeah, yeah, against no. the Roosters. The random South guy right in the middle. Maybe he left the game <laughs> and then come over and watch the Swans. He knew what was going on. I reckon he was following it on his phone and he said, well, I've got a sorry rabbits. Yeah. I've got to leave you. I've got Buddy to look after. Yep. I wonder if that guy is Adam Staple. <laughs> uh, we're off to a break. Back in a few moments' time. After 10, we're going to talk some local footy. Uh, what a game this will be. Wyong versus the entrance at Murray Breen later on today. This is in the Newcastle competition. Mm. We'll have Mitch Williams join us champion hooker and also Kyle Whiteford from the Entrance Tigers coming down to have a chat about the big one today. What a game that'll be. They've already said there'll be no love loss between these two footy sides Bring this, it on. this afternoon. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. 
Yeah, welcome back. Live at Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the 18th. Thanks to Shelley Beach for their hospitality. We, we mentioned about Buddy kicking the 1,000, but Sydney back-to-back after their win over GWS, Gary Birkinshaw, 107 to 77 mm. against a, a very disappointing Cats outfit, in my opinion. And Carlton, are the Blues the real deal with a win over the Western Bulldogs in Thursday night footy 102 to 90 at Marvel Stadium? Yeah, look, starting last night with the Swans, they were very, very good. And, and it was really good to see they backed up a, a round one win against the Giants in what was probably the, the match of the round in that, that first round. And they looked so even across the board. They, they probably surprised everyone last year by, by making through to the finals with such a young side. But they've been able to back it up again this year. And you see someone like Isaac Heaney, who's really started the season in great form. Last few years, he's sort of been right on the edge of being a really top-line player in the competition. Injuries has cruel him a bit, but he kicked five goals last night and really gives him that edge up forward. He can also play a bit through the middle there. So I'm interested. We're going to talk to Luffy in the second hour, and uh, you know, I'd like to get his thoughts on Isaac Heaney because he's obviously had a great start to the year. You know, Three goals last week, five uh, last night. Uh, probably, you know, clearly, the 1,000-goal by Buddy's going to overshadow his performance. In fact, it overshadowed the whole game because yeah. you almost forgot the fact that yeah. there was a game to play because yeah. there was a 30 minute uh, break. 30, 32. 32 minutes between yeah. him kicking the goal and restarting the game. So the game almost became irrelevant. It was about Buddy kicking that goal and, and justifiably so. I'll tell you what I do find farcical. Sorry to interrupt, no, Utes, but no uh, West Coast Eagles, their team has been decimated by COVID, but the AFL want this to continue. So West Coast face North Melbourne. Uh, tomorrow, one ten. But there's going to be players that play for the West Coast that have never been around the training group. Yeah, so they've got four players who come up from the top-up list. So every club prior to the season had to have a list of 20 players who are not on their, their list. They're not allowed to train with the club until they get down to 30, only having 30 available players mm. to train. And then they get down to 28, they're allowed to play them. And these, So these West Coast, 13 changes from last week. Four players who've, who've never played at the Eagles, only just trained this week. So it's, it, a, it's a tough ask. Is this WA that was invincible and didn't have COVID at all? Uh, hey, don't get political. Hey, I'm don't, not going to get political get... at all. Yeah. I'm not getting political at all. I'm just making it, <laughs> I'm just stating the facts. Uh, let me say this, though, that when you've got so many stakeholders and so much is riding on performance of football clubs like this for, on numerous levels, yeah, there's almost a legal case that they could have with the AFL. It's the first time I've really thought about it, but you think they're going to get rolled this week. They will get absolutely smashed, won't they, Gary? Well, if I'm a North Melbourne supporter, you want to hope that North Melbourne you know, really take them to the cleaners. It reminds me back to the day a, years, a few years ago when Essendon, through the drug saga that, that Essendon had, and they lost all their players, and they had to bring in players from, from outside the yeah. AFL to fill the gap, and they were, they were uncompetitive. That's what it was. And you're going to struggle to see... You know, 13 changes from West Coast, and, the, and the, some of the names that are out, you know, it's, they just can't, cannot be competitive. They can't be competitive yeah. with North Melbourne. And look what it does to the brand. Imagine if you're a West Coast fan, like uh, yep. you would be furious. Hey, we're about to roll up to the news here. In the next hour as well, we want to talk about the sports, award that's, sports awards that were held Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Nicola McDermott uh, named Sports Person of the Year, and also the Central Coast Cricket Awards. What a fantastic night that was at uh, Central Coast Leagues Club. We'll talk all about those awards in the grand final being played across the weekend. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're back live at Shelley Beach Golf Course, overlooking the 18th. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep, the guru. The best in the business, Gary Birkinshaw, in terms of administration. Hey, Guru, we mentioned just a moment ago about the grand final in local cricket, King Cumber up against Terrigal. Now, you told me on Wednesday night that King Cumber, they've had a couple of club legends come back. Sean Robertson down the order with 45 off 90. Absolutely massive. So at Stumps, they were 5 for 163 in a three-day grand final. 80 overs can be bowled per day. But the other player as well, Harry Woodhead, 50 off 129. So they've had a couple of guys really dig in in this grand final, and they are favourites and in a good position uh, after day one. Yeah, look, a really yeah, good day's cricket. We're lucky we got a whole day's cricket in with the weather. So, um, But, yeah, they won the toss and batted, and, look, it was a really solid day's cricket. They they set up it's a three-day game, and Harry Woodhead batted really well uh, coming in at number four to get a 50 at... And the game was pretty evenly poised, and then in the, probably the last half hour, 40 minutes, Sean Robertson come out and, and really played some nice attacking shots and, and probably at stumps probably put King Cumber in a, in a pretty good position. Yeah, and uh, Alex Patterson, so the captain of uh, Terrigal, three for 40 off his 18 overs, including three maidens. Yeah, he looked bowled really well, Alex, and uh, probably looked the most dangerous of the bowling. And yeah, just, it, was, it was a tough day for the bowls. They had to really work hard at it, and um, he only took the five wickets across the day, but... Um, yeah, they got, they'll, they'll need to take early wickets today, Terry Gould, to get themselves back in the game. Hey, boys, the countdown is on. Some local footy mm-hmm. at long last. And uh, Maury Breen, what a game this will be. Two of the powerhouse clubs. So Wyong hosting the Entrance Tigers. The coach of the Wyong Roos and also superstar hooker joins us. Mitch Williams, good morning, mate. Welcome back to SEN. Morning, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to talk to you, mate. And uh, looking through both of these lineups, they're both star-studded. Uh, tell us firstly what the rivalry means any time you face the Tigers. Yeah, it's definitely something that it's uh, been definitely spoken of this week. Uh, obviously, we've had a lot of great clashes. Um, you know, two real heavyweights at the Central Coast now moving up into the Newcastle competition and, and facing each other round one off. You know, I'm not playing since June, so I'm sure the boys will be itching to get out there. You'll face Matt Killick, who, in my opinion, has been one of the best players on the Central Coast for years. So what a matchup that is. And then you look at the half-five-eighth combination for both teams. Will Pearce, or what a player, McGuinness, up against CU, CU and Hannigan. Tell us about some of the key matchups. Yeah, obviously, you know, both teams have got really strong spines, uh, which in rugby league you need. Obviously, I'm really happy with mine. I've got Lockie Hannigan, who's quite a young fella, and then, you know, Terence Isu, who's you know, has played at such a high level in rugby league, and, and with Luke Sharp at the back there, I feel like we've got uh, some real attacking footy in us. Probably not the best uh, weather for the attacking footy today, but, um, yeah, really excited to get out there. Mitch, I've got to say, I'd imagine that the boys would be pretty excited about getting back on the field after what's probably been a, a really tough couple of years with everything that's been behind us. Um, I, I, the level of enthusiasm, uh, the hunger, the desire to get out there and get around and, and have uh, play some footy, uh, they must be itching at the bit, mate. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really shown in the training as well. We, we've been at this since November, and I don't think I've seen a group more eager and, and ready to work hard than 
than what I've seen uh, with this group so far. So, so that's really pleasing from a coaching point of view. And then obviously come back this year and, you know, obviously facing the rain and, and everything that it's faced this week. But uh, I think we're just, we're so keen. Um, obviously, this is just one round, but you know, what a way to start with uh, us versus the entrance. Yeah, Mitch, new season, new opportunities. Who's impressed you in the off-season that, uh, that, that will come out uh, in round one and, uh, and you're looking to have a big season? Yeah, a guy that we recruited to the club uh, named Henry Penn. Um, he plays in the centres. Really big body, uh, super skillful. Um, you know, he, he looks like a nightmare to tackle. Uh, very thankful he's on my team. A young kid from Kingcumber, Levi Kassoon, uh, won every single fitness drill uh, that we've thrown him. Only 21. Uh, he's going to get his chance on the wing today. And really excited for another coast kid to, to get an opportunity to play at this level. Yeah, Mitch, also, mate, uh, through the off-season or through the NRL season, We've seen a couple of boys from Wyong. In fact, everywhere you look, it, it seems like there's a Wyong player pushing through to the highest level. Jaron Purcell, Nick O'Mealy have both been given an opportunity and that must fill your heart with joy, mate, because you've been crucial in their pathway. Yeah, look, always so happy to see, you know, just any Coast kid uh, and then especially a couple of kids that have put, spent so much time at the Wyong Warriors. Um, as you boys know, he's a, he's a big fan of the Central Coast Rugby League and the, the area that we have and how strong the footy is played here. And I guess there's two, another two examples of, of guys that have stuck at it. Um, you know, they've got a chance at Newcastle now and, and we're really hoping they push further. Mitch, what are the expectations, mate, for the season when you consider, you know, you're going to this Newcastle comp, which has traditionally been a very, very strong competition. Uh, so I dare say going into this, um, you're expecting uh, that week-to-week battle to be very, very tough. Yeah, definitely under no illusions. Obviously, we got half a season last year. Uh, we were sitting in fifth before uh, the season was canned uh, for us Coast Clubs. So I think the biggest challenge for the boys last year was was realising that each week, um, you know, they really have to turn up. You know, uh, we played well one week, really poorly the next week. Um, on the Central Coast at times, you know, one was probably been able to get away with that. But in the Newcastle competition, you know, you don't, you don't turn up with the right attitude and the right skill set and you'll get beat by 40. Yeah, mate, you've had such an illustrious career locally. Uh, what do you do on game day? What happens between now and kickoff later on this afternoon? Uh, have you got the Dr. Dre's on? Uh, you're, like, in the zone and then just switch on like Joey Johns used to momentarily before the game? Yeah, I'm probably a bit more low-key uh, than that. Not too much into to the music and that. Uh, chasing a nine-month-old around currently, so that's uh, usually my <laughs> exercise for the morning. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like to keep it pretty relaxed. Um, done all the planning for the week, so i got everything ready. Uh, and now just looking forward to, to uh, getting there. Danny Somerville's coming in to do the jersey presentation, so just really looking forward to a good day. Hey, by the way, if you had to name maybe your top three or four Wyong players that you've ever seen, who's on that list? Oof. That's a, a great question I've ever seen. Uh, um, I guess Dean Amos is one that I saw when I was growing up. Um, he played in the team with folks like Troy Pezza and that, and they were exceptionally strong. A guy that I got to play with, Jamie Davis, uh, probably stands out as my number one pick of, of guys that I played with. But, um, you know, lucky enough to play with you know, a lot of great players at, the, at the, the time I've played at the club, given that I've been there a couple of years now, I guess. Yeah, great to have you on the show, mate. Congratulations on the newborn as well. Good luck to Savo. I know MBM was talking it up this week, saying no love lost between these two teams. Good luck in round one, mate. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks, fellas.
Yeah, Mitch Williams joining us. Love watching him play, and he's had such a great career. Burko? Yeah, look, he's been a fantastic player for Wong and, and, and represents Central Coast as well, so he's doing a good job there. And you know, I'm really looking forward to the you know, to the matchup today, you know, the big rivalry that's there. And as it says, has been built up. No football since June last year, so everyone's yep. going to be champing at the bit. Everyone just wants local football. Hey, don't forget, too, he played in the NRL 9s. Mm. So, you know, he was kind of knocking on the door, and a lot of people felt he should have gone further. Uh, we've got Kyle Whiteford here. We didn't want to throw him under the bus. Uh, the entrance Tigers coach in the local first grade and also helping out the master coach, the Jack Gibson of local oh. footy. He's helping out Jamie Forbes in uh, 2022. Good morning, mate. Great to see you. You heard Mitch Williams. What are the thoughts for the entrance Tigers ahead of round one? Yeah, good morning, boys. Um, yeah, I think we've um, built nicely over the pre-season and off-season and got some local talent back that had ventured to other clubs for a year or so and um, recruited a couple. And, yeah, the vibe around the place is really strong. And, yeah, Forbesy brings a um, very jovial and um, good presence around the group and everyone buys in and enjoys at work hard but enjoy ourselves in terms of the recruitment right has it been uh easier because you're playing in the newcastle comp so you know obviously the standard of football uh is greater uh therefore you're going to have more quality players who want to compete at that level yeah definitely i think um having us and wyong in that opportunity to play in that bit higher level than the local comp um, certainly gives kids on the coast or young blokes on the coast that want to try and test themselves a little bit higher an opportunity to do that and we can we can offer them that opportunity that maybe they can't get at their their own local club so yeah it, it's a bit of a selling point for us I think and um, yeah it's a good opportunity to um, also give our juniors which we've got a lot in the side um an opportunity to play at that level too you heard about some of those key matchups uh do you agree with me on matt killick i mean what a fantastic player and he's starred in some of the grand finals locally yeah tough tough player um he's yeah and that battle of the nines today will be really good um i've known matt a long time I actually coached him when he was 10 um he he told me he wanted to be a tennis player and I talked him out of it and he still tells me to this day that he could have been Rafa Nadal or someone. But yeah. I say, why wouldn't you want to be the entrance Tigers captain instead? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, I really like, you look at the NRL, you look at some of the star fullbacks and this game, so Luke Sharp for Wyong, Grant Nelson for the entrance Tigers. So if you look at those two combined try scoring records, yeah, they've both been phenomenal locally and they can light it up. Yeah, absolutely. Both great on their feet. Both really strong for the size of them. They're not the biggest of players, but they're really strong. And um, yeah, you as a defender, you're getting one on one with those guys is a bit would be a bit scary, I'd imagine. I wouldn't like to be marking up on them myself. Kick chase today in both games, both sides. Sorry, will need to be really strong. Um, to nullify both fullbacks. And, and Butes, I know you love the big front rower, Tim Nawakatabu. <laughs> you love pronouncing the name, yes. <laughs> I'll leave you, better you to say it than me. Uh, Cole, I want to touch on the uh, your coach in the first grade squad in the local competition yep, here. Correct. Yep. Uh, and that kicks off next week. So it does, yes. Again, h- how is it meant for your club in terms of, you know, you've got obviously the uh, the big boys who are playing in the Newcastle yep. comp. Has it, had, has it been harder for you to to get the quality players that you need or are you feeling quite comfortable as you head into the season? Um, no, I'm feeling quite comfortable. We're very strong. And obviously today, the 18 that Forbes and Ben have picked, um, there'll be a few guys that feel they should be in that side and that's great, but they'll come back and play with me next week. So it only strengthens us, but also gives us a great 
opportunity with, you know, there's obviously more risk of me losing players up for injury and form or whatever. It gives opportunities for our young guys to get a taste of playing in the top grade on the Central Coast. Like last year, the club had a lot of injuries. Um, I think I told Steve-O during last season at round 10 when, when it finished for COVID, we, we'd used 41 players. Wow. Um, yeah, so like 12 guys made their debuts, which is great. Holds us in good stead for this yep. season. Yeah, there are some players we haven't mentioned. So, uh, you know, Sean Corrigan, NRL experience, mm-hmm. playing in the centres for the Tigers. I know I mentioned Will Pearsall, but also NRL experience and man of the match in a local grand final against the Wyong Roos. That was played down at Woi Woi. Star player, absolutely uh, class. He'll wear the number seven. Another player that we haven't mentioned, uh, Harley Ridge in the back row. Wow. I mean, he's probably won Player of the Year at the entrance numerous occasions. Yeah, I'd imagine he would have. He's, um, yeah, he's a talented player. Went across to Erino last year, and then we've got him back, along with the Nelson boys and Jake Slee, who will be playing local first grade next week. Um, yeah, Harley, he's, a, he's an excitement machine, really dynamic um, ball runner, very unpredictable. Um, and I'd imagine defending against him wouldn't be too fun either. Hey, uh, with this uh, comment on NBN last night, no love lost, what are your thoughts? Oh, Wyong and the entrance, it's always, I think, you know, I coach junior sides at the Tigers too, and it's its there as well. It's, it's just it's just a rivalry that's been around for the ages, and I think, um, yeah, it's all, all in good fun, but it'll be, that'll be after the game today. I think once they cross that white stripe, it'll be game on and very physical and a lot of pride on the line, especially being the two Central Coast teams that are in the Newcastle comp. Um, I think that's a little battle within itself. Obviously, we want to make finals and go on and win that competition but at the end of the day if we can't do that if we finish higher than Wyong that'll be the result we're after yeah. bragging hey, rights mate did you um did you coach the Saifidi brothers as well yeah I had a little bit to do with them when they were around 15 or 16 years old yeah so um that was at the entrance Tigers and uh, with the Central Coast Centurions at the time before it was the Central Coast Roosters yeah they're um aren't they doing well um just big strong energetic players but you know what? Off the field, they're gentle giants. They're mm. they're really nice people. Come from a really good family, and um, yeah, doing doing themselves and the club proud. Yeah, well said, mate. Great to see you this morning. Thanks for coming down yeah, live, Kyle Whiteford from the Entrance Tigers, the Newcastle side coached by uh, the master coach, the Jack Gibson of local footy, Jamie Forbes. Great to have him back, and good luck to your team next week. Yep, thank you, boys. Cheers. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Hey, don't forget the uh, McDonald Jones open line buttes, 1300 42 15 33. The text line 0477 736 736. I've been sitting on a text about local golf. There's been someone who's been throwing off his game and he's blaming Saturdays on the coast. So we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes' time. I've got hot intel on that. Uh, we'll go to a break. Back in a few moments' time with uh, Troy Luff to talk some AFL. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Back live at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Uh, the banter off the air is pretty good this morning too. Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw, and Michael Butner. Hey, Butes, we mentioned earlier about the Sports Central Coast Awards. Mm, so the- what a night. Sports Person of the Year for 2021, none other than Nicola McDermott. The uh, coveted Standing O Trophy, Steve. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, hey? I think I've had one good idea in the last three decades, and, and that was it. The beautiful Standing O Trophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nicola's won it for the second time. Olympic silver medalist, of course, and Australian record holder. 
Uh, but what were the other highlights for you on the night? So, uh, Volunteer of the Year for me, uh, Jenny Cameron. Uh, amazing work that she does. She's been working with the up at Summersby with the riding for, riding the, for disabled. the disabled, and uh, 25 years she's been up there, and um, yeah, just phenomenal. The fact that she managed to do that. Um, obviously, the Mariners Academy, fantastic. Uh, I liked um, just the broad range of sports that were available and present. Hayden Smith, we've had him on the show numerous occasions. The Masters uh, Sports Person of the Year with Hayden Smith for his uh, phenomenal work. And, of course, the Young Sports Person of the Year, Declan Squire, who, mate, karate kid. My goodness, he is one weapon, yeah, I would imagine. And I, I had people cracking up laughing afterwards because I've rattled off some of the martial artists that we loved when we were growing up. So Chuck Norris. Yeah. Well, Bruce Lee, number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then Chuck Norris. Then I threw in Bill Superfoot Wallace. And I threw in Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, and people, <laughs> fell, off, people <laughs> fell off their chair. Ralph Macchio. Yes, of course. Uh, Denny LaRusso. That's him. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to all of the winners. Uh, Matt Horsnell, of course, Coach of the ah. Year. And uh, you, you know what? He spoke very well. And Nicholas' speech, seriously, was unbelievable. You know, just she summed it up perfectly in relation to thanking people for their support, thanking people for their guidance, thanking people for um, giving her the confidence to be able to do what she's done. And, you know, it was actually funny because it's almost like we should have been thanking her for giving us so much joy, so much pleasure, so much excitement throughout that Olympic campaign. But she just turned it back around and it was just absolutely phenomenal. And the way it finished, Gary, if you weren't there on the night, so, you know, when she's about to jump in competition, she starts doing like the Viking clap, her Mm. own Viking clap. And then she does the, come on! And the whole room did that uh, when she won. So standing ovation, Viking clap, and the massive come on. And I've got to say, it's probably one of the very few times that I've seen you speechless. Yeah. Not being able to ask a question after a speech. He just said, look, what do I do with this? I can't go any further. The, it, That's a wrap. It was an absolutely outstanding speech. And credit, too, to a young lady who's been on the show with us. Jess Grimwood was a co-host. Mm. And uh, I would say she smashed it out of the ballpark. She was fantastic. She did a great job, Jess. And, you know, we've missed Delia as the third wheel, but she uh, held her own well and truly and was a uh, – she was – if you're Batman, she was the Robin, and she did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guru, uh, we had the Cricket Awards on Wednesday night at Central Coast Leagues. Sean Eaton, the player of the year. Yeah, look, uh, had a fantastic year, Sean. He, he returned to the Central Coast, and his speech was really good on the night. And uh, gone back to Brisbane Water, uh, obviously won the uh, T20 Player of the Year, the one-day uh, Player of the Year, and oh. – um, he won the batting award in the first grade competition, represented Central Coast, been selected in the New South Wales countryside. So um, he's had a fantastic season, thoroughly deserved the award. Some the good nominees are there. And he just spoke He spoke very, very well about Central Coast cricket and, and the comparison to, to Sydney where he actually, um, he went down at a young age. And he felt that by coming back that he had something to prove. 
Like, and admittedly, I, I remember when he went down to Sydney as a 15-year-old. There's a lot of people who were quite critical of him going down at, at such a young age. He should be staying on the coast and whatever. And he felt that even though he had a very successful 10-year career playing in Sydney, playing uh, for a number of clubs, but Randwick in particular was very successful at Randwick. And he just felt he had something to prove when he'd come back. And he certainly, he certainly mm-hmm. done that with a great year. Yeah, we should say uh, it wasn't Player of the Year. It's the Alan Davidson medal night. So, and uh, we lost Alan Davidson. And uh, what a career he had uh one thing about Sean Eaton I spoke to him after the night he actually thought his T20 season wasn't that good but he still won that award he also spoke about being in Sydney and he said the great cricketers he said their mindset sets them apart from everyone else he said the style of player he was he said there's 50 or 60 players that are similar and every single one of them is pushing for a spot he said but the ones that reach the elite level there's something a little different about the way they're wide. Now, he spoke about um, David Warner, and he said some of these guys will just go, I'm not feeling it today, and they won't make runs. The next day, they'll go, I'm feeling it. I'm going to make a century. Mm-hmm. And they just flick a switch, and they do it. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. The other thing I put is, is you think you're going all right, and there's, there's 10 players who are better than you. No matter how... how well, that's just particularly what he thought. No matter how well he was going, felt there was always there was always ten players who were, who were better and, than him. And he also said he felt like he didn't really have the work ethic. Yeah, that's correct as well. Yeah, he just, that's a, just you know that's a big part of any success. You know, you look at we, you know we're talking off here about Dale Finucane and and what he does off the field and and how what he brings to the Sharks probably more so off the field than he does on the field. Um, it's that work ethic and that ability to you know, avoid all the distractions um, to make those sacrifices, that level of commitment that, you know what, makes the difference between making it and not making it. And you can have fun along the way, but there's a time. And, you know, what you, you know, recently with the passing of Shane Warne, right, we talk about, you know, he was a bit of a larrikin and, and enjoyed his life. But when it comes to cricket, you know, people will talk about the fact Andrew Johns is similar. Their brain, they just focus and concentrate on what they've got to do they work hard you know every aspect of their game they work extremely hard on hey i've got a question from the gold coast from uh, palm beach from mm-hmm. one mandy allen yes the, the matriarch of the <laughs> allen family and she says steve-o love you and love the show but she says who is guru so what is the guru story gary birkinshaw Oh, not much of a story at all. Um, I just love sport, uh, any type of sport. I've, I've been lucky enough to probably administrate at, at a, at a, for a job for 16 years, so involved mainly with AFL and done a little bit with, with cricket. But I've, I've played a lot of sports all around uh, New South Wales and country New South Wales. So, But, yeah, just love sport, love talking about it. Hey, boys, here's this text that I've been promising, 0477 736 736. Now, we've got some intel about a player at uh, Gosford Golf Course, and uh, this guy apparently... Whenever we call Gary Birkinshaw on the golf course, mm-hmm. this guy, well, he was about to tee off recently. Bozza from Robson Civil Projects. Well, when the phone has rung and it's Saturdays on the coast, did he spray one into the woods? Yes, yeah, so we're on the 17th turn. I'm in the middle of, of talking to you. And yeah. I just, uh, actually, it was when you went to the, um, to the, to the ad break and I, I put the phone down. I actually bumped it on speaker. He's about to... to now, for Bozza, Bozza plays off scratch. Mm. So he's gone up there and, and he has sprayed it off the 17th tee. And it was, mate, it, that was the end of it. He was, yeah. oh, I was the worst person. He started walking, walks 50 metres ahead for the final two rounds. He was, uh, yeah, spat yeah. the dummy. Oh, big time, big time. But 
in fairness to him, he, it was probably not very good etiquette on my behalf, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I've sent a message back and I, I said, look, this is where, if you want to reach any kind of level, you've got to be in the zone and not be distracted from, uh, so someone's phone's on speaker. Now, the example is Tiger. Tiger Woods didn't get distracted when he's got millions watching in a huge gallery. So, Correct. Uh, what's your advice to Bozza in future? I mean, don't blame Saturdays on the coast. Well, it should be inspirational, to be perfectly honest. Like, I'm just trying to mentally prepare him. Like, he plays off scratch. Pitt's a very, very good golf ball. But yeah. if you can't handle it, you spray it into the woods because someone's phone's on. You yeah. just can't be blaming the bloke on the phone. And, yeah. and you know the thing was, he won the competition on the day anyway. So I, I, don't, I don't see where the problem was. But, but you said he stormed off. It sounds like he's a highly strung character. <laughs> he's one of the most relaxed characters ever met ever met anywhere. But this is... Uh, what I say, but I do tell them before we play... That I'm on the radio. Yep, no worries at all. And then all of a sudden, until he sprays one in the woods, it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Great man, Daniel Bosley. Really good man. Yeah. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We're back in a moment with Luffy live from Tasmania. We'll talk more about that incredible moment last night when Buddy kicked 1,000. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, indeed you are. This is Saturdays on the Coast. And, of course, the uh, the guys are at uh, Shelley Beach Golf Course. We will get back to them in just a moment. But uh, there's plenty to talk about, of course. Uh, the boys have mentioned about uh, Buddy Franklin and his 1,000th goal. Uh, of course, uh, Australia winning the uh, the final test match against Pakistan as well. So that uh, came down to the final session. Congratulations to the Aussies. It was just a plethora of sport going on all at once. And, of course, the NRL round three as well. But uh, we're going to head back over now. Shelley Beach Golf Course, take it away, guys. Getting ready for the chat with uh, Troy La. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much, Adam. And uh, doing a superb job there back at headquarters. Congrats to your team last night. South Sydney winners against the Roosters in that rivalry and my team in action against Manly. So uh, I think the Bulldogs were unlucky last week, Buttes, against the Brisbane Broncos and probably could have got the job done. Fantastic atmosphere too. Of course you'd think the Bulldogs were unlucky last week. But nevertheless, Broncos 2-0, which is fantastic and great to see. Um, Last night... Yeah, hey. Rabbitohs, Rabbitohs were good last night. And you know what? I said it the week before yes. against the Storm, right? They missed some opportunities early in that game. They end up coming back in the last 15 minutes, which I didn't see. But what do we got? We got a text, have we? Look, no, just quickly, I've got a bit more intel on, on Bozza from Robson Civil Projects. Yeah. Now, I'm told that he's very deliberate on the golf course. Mm-hmm. In other words, he takes ages to play a shot. Uh, then he may or may not have discarded his club after the phone went off. I think he had to get his grips checked. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So read into that, as you will. And then he gave the wet fish handshake at the end. He was that disgusted. Wow. And rightly so. (laughs) 0477 The McDonald's open line, McDonald Jones open line, 1,342, 1533. Hey, Guru, let's go live to Tasmania with uh, the great Troy Luff. And Luffy was actually there last night at the SCG for Buddy 1000. Luffy, good morning, mate. And how was that unbelievable moment? Morning, Steve. Morning, Buttes. Oh, look, it was fantastic. Um, you know, I was instructed by the uh, the Triple M producer that if he does kick it, you have to run on the ground. That wasn't like whether I should or shouldn't. You have to run on the ground. And as it got closer, 
uh, after he kicked his third goal, if, if you actually watch the footage, all the people in the stands in the upper decks all came down to the bottom. Every mm. aisle was full of people, and the security basically just stood at the gates waiting to open them once he kicked it. There was, there was no chance it was never going to happen, that people were gonna, not going to run on the ground. They knew that it was pointless trying to stop it, so it was just safer to open the gates. And as soon as he kicked the ball, there were literally thousands of people running onto the ground. Now, if he missed that goal, yeah. there would have been a huge delay because there was literally thousands of people already yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And I just waited for everyone to stream past me down the aisle before I actually went out onto the ground. And, and look, looking at the footage now from the TV cameras, it was just like ants running to, to get a yeah. dead fly. It was just amazing. And, and I've been on the ground probably four or five times when players have kicked 100 or Plugger kicked his 1,300 or something like that. But this was just, this was insane. It was crazy, but it was safe crazy. It was just yeah. so exciting. Uh, Luffy, how close did you get, right? Because I'm assuming that they just said, you've got to get out on the ground. And once you got out there, like, I don't know how close you got. Secondly, mate, what I did love, and I love the way that you said it was safe crazy, because... You know, we were talking about it earlier. Should they had more guards around him, whatever. You know what? I love the fact that he was able to enjoy that moment. And as exhausted as he looked, as he got off the fa- as he got off the field, because he was, you know, getting pummeled from left, right, and centre. But it was all well, done. There was there was no bad intent. No, if you look at the like, as he had the shot for goal, obviously security were ready to run out there, but. Before they had a chance, everyone ran past security. And most of the security guards are 120 kilos, so they're not going to run too fast anyway. So they had no chance of getting anywhere near Buddy at all. And so so he was mobbed by supporters. And he had some of the players that were trying to sort of get around him and protect him. But if you look at Buddy's face, he was excited. Now, who wouldn't be excited to see literally tens of thousands of people running out on the ground just to get a piece of you. And I got, I probably got close to him after about 10 minutes when people started to walk off. I wanted to see what it was like, and I got over to where the pack was, and I just went, this is crazy. It's just, you know, in the day of mobile phones, there's hundreds of mobile phones hold, you know, held up in the air trying to, to video this, this one moment, and probably the last moment in AFL history that someone will actually kick a 1,000 mm-hmm. goals. I, I honestly can't see it happening again. When, when Plugger kicked his 1,300th goal, it was right near the boundary, and so security were able to get there quick enough and form a ring around him. But last night, there was a zero chance of that ever happening. If, uh, if Luffy had got close, he might have overshadowed the moment because the commentators would have been dis- distracted by a guy who's still playing well into his 50s. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not too many people still playing well into their 50s, but I was well disguised, just wearing a your flannelette shirt. I looked like a Westie from the western suburbs of Sydney, so I was hidden. Yeah, Luffy Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. How are you? Oh, g'day, Gaz. How are you up How there? Are you, mate? Yeah, mate, good, good. And you're in Tasmania at the moment, mate. You've got a game on this afternoon? Yeah, there's a, it's called Relive the Rivalry. What it is, it's, it's Tasmania versus the Victorian All-Stars. So it's, it's basically the rest of Australia that play. And it's full of ex-players. Uh, you know, probably the, the, the big headline act would be Brendan Favola. And, you know, he's still fit. In the last game he had a couple of years ago, I think he kicked 
10 goals or something like that. Uh, Jason Akermanis runs around. David Rhys-Jones is the coach of one team. Peter Hudson has been the coach previously for the other. Like, it's just a, a long list of ex-AFL players and all for good cause. It's all for mus- muscular dystrophy. And, uh, and it's at Hewanville today, which is about half an hour out of Hobart. And they're expecting probably... 4,000 people or so. It's only just a small suburban ground. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just great to come down for a good cause. And I must say, I'm very tired after the, the, the long delay in uh, the last <laughs> quarter last night. It went for an hour, the last quarter for an hour. So by the time I got out of the SCG and got home, it was about 11.30 and up at quarter to six. So <laughs> slept all the way on here on the plane. Mate, do the fans know they're the 4,000 fans today? Do they know that you're sitting on 998 goals and a, a chance of cracking? Probably 998 games, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just looking at uh, some of the players here. So apart from Michael O'Loughlin, who is one of our all-time favourite players, leaping Leon Davis is going to play on the half-forward line. Who else up? Michael Riscatelli. Daryl White is there. Luffy, you're running off the half-back line. I thought you might be a little further forward, ready, as Butte nah, said. It's, it's easy to play in the back line in these games because you literally pay no attention to your direct opponent. And when you're in the forward line, everyone's just hungry for a goal. So get in the back line, you get an easy touch. In all your years in AFL, has anything matched what you saw last night? Oh, look, as I said, I was on the field when Tony Lockett kicked his 1,300th goal. That, that's pretty hard to, to match. I was on the, on the field a couple of times when Plugger kicked 100 goals. I was on the field when Gary Ablett kicked 100 goals down in Geelong one game. But, uh, you know, even actually at the end of 96, when we beat West Coast Eagles to actually finish on top of the ladder, the crowd rushed onto the ground. And, and so, you know, because, because I'm personally involved in that, that's a lot better than watching it happen to someone else. Uh, you know, it was obviously it was amazing last night. It was fantastic, and and it was great to see all the fans get out there. Um, but but as far as personal experience goes, I think the ones that I've been involved in were probably a little bit better for me. That is anyway. Yeah, I I heard Jonathan Brown last night say back in the studio that you know when he played against Buddy, sometimes it was just like you're enjoying the show from the other end, even though your team is getting cream. Because he said when Buddy's on. There's no one like him in AFL history. No, you're right. And and there's players, you know, throughout, you know, the last few decades that just being out there on the field to watch and play and and as I said, I was lucky enough to be out in the field when Gary Ablett kicked a hundred goals and, and he is an absolute legend. He's one of the only other five players, well, six now, that have kicked a 1,000 goals. And, you know, to be on the field when he was at his best, or Tony Lockett, you know, kicking 13, 14, 15 goals in, in a game of football. It's just, it's, it's amazing to be out there on the field to actually experience it and, and watch it, even when he was playing for St Kilda, just to watch him do that. Um, you know, back in the older days, even going way back to players like Kelvin Templeton, to watch him play and, and kick bag full of goals. It was just spectacular. It's phenomenal, Gluffy, to think how much the game has changed in 20, 30 years. You know, we're unlikely to see another player, you know, plenty of commentators are saying this, we're unlikely to see another player crack that 1,000-goal mark. Um, but the feats of Plugger Lockett, who kicked 1,360, like if you put it in perspective now, that's another five or six seasons of Buddy Franklin still playing. Like it's just absolutely phenomenal, the, the change in style of the game. You've got to look at the, the average goals per game, and Plugger was was five or just over five goals per game. I mean, that that's oh. phenomenal to think that you, yeah, that's your average. You know, yeah. he kicked ten goals so many times. I think uh, 
I think Peter Hudson has the best average. I think he was he was close to six goals a game. I mean, imagine that's your average kicking that many goals, <laughs> yeah. and and that's never going to happen again. Never, you know, like. The, the the leading goal kicker at the end of the season now is in their 60s and 70s. So to imagine yeah. they're going to kick 100, 100 consistently and then kick 1,000 goals. I mean, Buddy took eight years to kick his first 500 and it's taken him over 10 years to kick his second 500. So yeah, that's 18 years of football. I mean, your players aren't going to play 18 years of football. It's just unheard of. Yeah, it was a truly unforgettable night. Luffy, enjoy your time in Tassie. Thanks so much for joining us this morning and we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. The great Troy Luff, absolute legend, played in a grand final himself uh, against North Melbourne and was one of the stars that day in a losing team. We're off to a break. Back in a few moments' time. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach overlooking the 18th. Hey, just on Buddy Franklin, I was just saying off the air about the fact that some players never get free on a lead. So he's kicked 1,000 goals. But you think of the work he's done. And Nathan Buckley, I've loved his work in commentary back at headquarters in the Fox Lab where he talks about Buddy's running ability over two and 400 metres. Is it any wonder he is that elite as a, as a runner over that distance that he always seems to be open uh, when teams are streaming forward? Yeah, just his ability to get free, especially because someone of Buddy Franklin's kicked 1,000 goals now and the defence, the amount of time and effort the coaches would put in, the defensive coach would put in on, on manning uh, ben, uh, Lance Franklin up because he's such a, a, a ball magnet. So he's, he's such a presence up forward. The ball, people kick it to him when it's two on one. But his ability to get free is, yeah, is, is first rate. Hey, uh, last night you guys both missed it. Zach Tui, uh, he uh, was on his way off, the Geelong player. And on his way off, he's actually shirt-fronted one of the fans running on. And the guy has gone flying. So there is vision of this. Make sure you have a look a little bit later. The guy's gone flying, but when he hit the deck, the guy lost his wallet. Oh. So Zach Tui has noticed the wallet on the ground, picked it up, gone back into the mosh pit to hand it over to the fan. So one of the incredible stories that came out of it, you said a couple of Swans players got lost in the mayhem. Yes. Yeah, so, so they all went over to where the Swans race was. That, that was obviously the... Yeah, the, the plan of how it's going to happen. And unfortunately for Buddy, he's on the other side of the ground. But there are three Swans players. Uh, Blakey was one of them. And they actually went over the other side of the ground. So they, they were separated from the team. The other 19 players are all in the Swans change rooms. And they're they over there in front of the scoreboard um, over there near the Noble stand. Yeah, there was one guy in particular. My wife singled him out. I think he had like a white jacket on or shirt. And she said he was the guy that looked after Buddy yeah, the entire right. time. Yeah. Well, he needed someone to look after him because there was... Well, there was plenty. There was 10,000, 15,000 people who were prepared to look after him. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. My did, goodness. Did you hear him say that he felt like he uh, sculled a couple of beers on his, <laughs> on, on his way off? Yeah. You, that, you know what? Uh, he was exhausted. When he got to the, like, to the dressing room after, like, he was gone. Like, it, it obviously just been pushed around, bumped around, pat on the back, whatever it was, and trying to make his way through that sea of people. Was and, actually yeah. exhausting. And even if you're the first person there, first spectator around, but you were with Buddy for the rest of the, for his journey off because there's no way that you're getting out of there either. Correct. Yeah. Hey, we're off to another break. We'll come back talk Ash Barty in just a moment. Mm. She shocked the world with announcement with the announcement of her retirement earlier this week. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. 
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, back live, final segment at uh, Shelley Beach Golf Course. At Gosford Golf Course at the moment, we've got a text from our mate Bozza. 0477736736. Hey, Steve-O, love the show. Just teed off on 17, and without the radio blaring in my backswing, <laughs> I hit it straight down the middle uh, and made birdie on the par 4, 17th. Mm. So there we go. Uh, maybe he's got a point. Well played. Saturday's on the coast has upset his rhythm. It was a distraction and not a good one. Hey, it's 3-11. to 11. Uh, Ash Barty, three-time major winner. Wow. Well, what a shock this week. But I tell you, when she won Wimbledon, I know she said she was almost fulfilled. I think when in the Aussie Open, that was it. Mm. She's ticked every box that she needs to tick. What are your thoughts, Butes? Uh, look, absolute shock. You know what? Her style of play and how she dominated at the Australian Open. She didn't lose a set. Right? So she was at the peak of her powers. And for her to walk away from the game is just phenomenal and you know I take my hat off to her uh, for the simple fact and I've been selfish here but I'm really disappointed that we don't get to see her for the next three five years because I think she could have done something absolutely amazing in the tennis game and beautiful the way they did it with her dear friend Casey Delacqua and mm. both pretty much in tears yeah look it yeah it she 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 did so much for tennis in Australia and, and so much, even just, everyone loves watching her. She's one of those, she's so gracious in everything that she does. And it's a courageous decision to walk away. The easy thing is to keep playing there. She, she would have earned all, all squillions. squillions. But to walk away and live the rest of her life is a courageous decision. And to say that mentally and physically that she's just not up to it. Like, uh, I also love Butes. I told you during the week that she has changed the game from being that that game that was just dominated by power players like Serena Williams mm-hmm. to suddenly having some real finesse, like, you know, to play slice backhands and, you know, to put some topspin on it. And really, I think she's bamboozled a lot of the women that she's played against who haven't got, haven't got that skill set. Yeah, look, they describe it, and it's, it might be a sexist thing, but the, the backhand was the same as the slice of Roger Federer. Just one thing here, though. I've just been checking Boz's scores, by the way, and... Have a look at his scorecard today. I think he's obviously missing the uh, sad day on the coast because the scorecard's not looking real flash today, Boz. Ah, <laughs> there we go. Touche. Get back at him. Uh, thanks to all of our guests. Don't forget the Catch Up podcast. Thanks to Lachlan, our technician, who was at the SCG last night. He's got some fantastic photos that he'll share. And thanks to Adam Staples back at HQ. We're back next Saturday morning. Thanks, Butes. Thank you, Guru. Good on you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Butes. Great to be here. I'll be off to the netball tonight. Swifts versus the Giants at the Ken Rosewell Arena. Then I'm off to the water polo tomorrow. My son, Corey, playing for the Hunter Hurricanes against Balmain in the National League. We'll catch you next weekend. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.